Carolyn Watson and Julian Buckwald, a young and in-love Australian couple. They set out for an afternoon date in 2008. The plan was to drive to a waterfall and have a cute picnic together. But this romantic getaway turned into a nightmare. When the young couple failed to make it home by 3 p.m. that afternoon, their parents grew increasingly worried. The worry turned into bone-chilling fear when a note was discovered at the end of Julian's parents' driveway. The note was from a satanic cult. This cult had wrote some terrifying threats and detailed what they were going to do to the young couple. Despite the note's warning, police are notified and a feverish four-day search follows. After six days, the couple is found... 250 kilometers away from their homes by a farmer. They look tired, dirty, and very, very sunburned. This case has an unexpected outcome that nobody could have guessed, followed by an even more bizarre situation. What happened to the young couple that day on their picnic? Well, come hang out with me while I talk true crime. Hello and welcome to Hell No, a true crime podcast with your host, Lauren Lucio. Oh boy, oh boy. This is, this is a jaw dropper of a case. We got a jaw dropper of a case this week. Some of you may have heard of it before, uh, but for those of you who haven't, get ready because shit's about to get real weird. Today's case takes place in Victoria, Australia, starting in a town called Budgery. The young couple is 17-year-old Carolyn Watson and 23-year-old Julian Buckwald. Now, in my sources, some said 22, some said 23, one said 25. Really, though, from what I could see, everyone was either saying he's 23 or he's 22. So I'm going to go with he's he's 23 23 years old during this time in in 2008. Carolyn and Julian, they are both devout Christians. They have been dating for two years. I believe they met at church and they had a plan to get married one day. And when I read this, I was like, wait, just a minute. If they've been dating for two years, then that means Julian was like 20 or 21 when he started dating Carolyn, who was 14 or 15 years old. And I was like, is that legal? Is that a thing? But since they were both religious, though, there was no sexual relationship between the two of them. So there was no kissing. There wasn't even kissing. They were waiting until they got married to... I guess, even kiss and and have sex. The only thing that they did was hand-holding. They would hold each other's hands. So, I don't know. Let's move on. Julian, he actually grew up in Australia, but he was born in Germany, and he moved to Australia with his parents when he was around one years old, like a one-year-old, he came to Australia. Despite him growing up in Australia, he still wasn't a citizen though. And I'm only saying this because 
it is going to come back up later. I don't want to, I'm not just like, he's not a citizen. No, it's, this has to do with something later. Julian's family owned a massive plot of land and it was on this land the two planned to have a cute romantic waterfall picnic. And this was on March 4th, 2008. That's when they wanted to have this picnic. Julian's parents' land. It's not just a little property. It is a whopping 570 hectares, which is 1,400 acres. That's right. They have 1,400 acres of bushland. So on this day, on this March 4th day in 2008, Julian goes to pick up Carolyn, uh, the nearby town that she she lives in, and then the two take off to go to their waterfall picnic on Julian's parents' 1,400-acre bushland property, which includes a waterfall. Sounds absolutely amazing. They told their parents they were doing this. This was They were like, hey, I'm going to do this picnic, and... They had promised their parents that they would be home by 3 p.m. that afternoon. So their parents knew where they were going. Their parents knew when they should be home. As the two are driving on the road headed towards the picnic spot, Julian is like, uh, hey, I think I saw, I think I saw some roadkill back there. I really want to check it out. So I know a lot of people are going to think that this is weird, but when you live in the country, it's not that weird, especially in Australia when if a marsupial gets hit on the road, wallaby, koala, kangaroo, if, if if these animals get hit on the road, it is highly suggested to stop and look in the animal's pouch because there might be a baby in that pouch because they're marsupials. They carry their young in there. Say a kangaroo gets hit on the road, the only way to tell if there's a baby in its pouch is to go up to it and, and look in the pouch. And then oftentimes there'll be a, a little baby in there and that baby if left, will will die. If the mother kangaroo has died, that baby will not be able to survive. And it's basically a slow, painful death sentence for this little baby animal. So that's the thing in Australia. You know, you hit a marsupial, you see a marsupial dead on the side of the road, you get out, you check the pouch. And then if there is a baby in there, it can be taken to a wildlife rescue where they know how to handle this and nurture the baby. So I know this might seem weird to a lot of people, but given that this is in Australia and it's in the country, I just, I do not feel like this is weird at all. So they're driving down this country road. Julian sees a dead animal on the side of the road. So probably, I'm going to guess kangaroo or something. He said he saw, oh, I think I see a dead kangaroo. And he says he wants to stop and check it out. And Carolyn's like, okay, cool. I'm going to stay in the car. You go check that out. And then like, let's go. So Julian's like, okay. Julian pulls over. He gets out of the car and he runs back to look for it. After a while, I'm assuming it was like five to 10 minutes, Julian still isn't back at the car. And Carolyn, she can't see him anywhere. She's bored. She's waiting in the car. She's like, have you, uh, you got that? Did you find that roadkill yet? She can't see him anywhere. She's looking around. Suddenly, a person dressed in all black from head to toe. I'm talking face mask and everything. Head to toe, all black. This person comes bounding up to Carolyn in the vehicle, like running up to her. She's on this country road. She's by herself. Her boyfriend's just gone missing, uh, looking for this roadkill. 
and now she's got a person in all black literally running towards her. None of the sources I compared with each other. So I had a lot of different news articles and a lot of different sources. And I was trying to compare them to be able to say exactly what had happened um, from here on out. But there's, they all basically say the same thing, but there are slight variations, but of the same thing in, in all of these articles. So it was really hard to paint a 100% accurate picture of what then happens after this. But I did my best to gather all of this information and try to figure it out because again, it, there was just slight variations of everything. So just know that going into that, I don't know if I'm going to be 100% accurate here, but I did do my best. There was just so many uh, articles saying slightly different things. So Carolyn, she is immediately blindfolded and hogtied by the masked man dressed in all black. She's then put in the trunk of the vehicle and driven hours away. Hours blindfolded, tied up in the trunk of a car. That is hell. That is torture on its own. After hours of Carolyn being tied up and blindfolded, eventually the vehicle comes to a stop. Once she's removed from the vehicle, all of her clothing is then cut off with a knife. It's just getting more and more terrifying. And imagine what her thoughts would have been in the trunk of that car, in the back of the car, tied up and blindfolded, being driven for hours. Where would your mind even go with that? That is just terrifying. Then the vehicle stops and you are forced to be naked because somebody cuts all your clothes off with a knife. It is just terrifying. I will say though, thankfully, no rape occurs. There's no rape going to occur during during this entire situation. And I want to say that right now because it really sounds like that's what is about to happen, but it doesn't. That's not where this is going. I know it really seems that way, but it's not. Now Carolyn lay on the ground in this remote bush, hours away from her house, blindfolded, hogtied, and now completely naked. Then she can hear the sound of a shovel digging into soil repeatedly. So she can hear the abductor digging a hole. This hole, she believes, will be her grave. She thinks, I'm going to get raped. I'm going to get murdered. I'm going to get thrown in this grave and I'm going to get buried. And so Carolyn starts to pray. Everything eventually goes silent and she can't hear the masked man moving around anymore or or even digging. The, The digging has stopped. He doesn't seem to be there. She can't sense him. She can't hear him. It seems like he's left. It doesn't stay silent for long, though, because soon Carolyn can hear someone calling for help or, or calling her name. And to her, it sounds like Julian. And it turns out it was Julian. He had also been stripped naked of his clothes and tied up. And he somehow got out of his binds and he rushes over to Carolyn because she's like, yeah, I'm over here. He goes over there. He gets her out of the ropes. They're both completely naked at this point. And Julian tells Carolyn that 
he that when he pulled over to check out that roadkill the masked men confronted him and he fought them but then they hit him in the back of the head he says with a metal bar tied him up put him in the car uh, where he then became very ill he said this he was very very ill at this point and even vomited blood at this point he's guessing they that the the kidnappers these masked men this man in black must have abandoned them both in the bush where they have just found each other not knowing if the masked men would come back the two decide to flee the area as quickly as possible let's get out of here there are some items laying around the area and Julian told Carolyn to grab what she could. He's like, okay, we've got some stuff here. Let's grab what we can and let's get the hell out of here. By doing this, they managed to secure a sleeping bag and a little bit of food, which apparently the abductors had left behind at this this area where they had abandoned Julian and Carolyn. And Julian and Carolyn, they're naked, they're barefoot barefoot and running for their lives through the australian bush it's not a, not a good place to run barefoot it's just not a good place to run barefoot the two are venturing through the australian bush which means there's going to be snakes and spiders and prickly bushes and rough terrain and i just don't know how they how they do it because they have no fucking shoes on. They have no shoes on. And there, there's even these ants in Australia that can bite and cause searing pain like a wasp sting. Ants. So there would have been these ants. All just, I don't know. It would have been crazy. There's just so much stuff in the Australian bush. It's not really a place you want to go wandering around uh, barefoot. The sun is another element uh, they have to face here uh, as they don't have sunscreen, they don't have hats, and they're literally naked. So the daytime, it would have been really hot. They would have gotten very, very sunburned. As for water, I can only assume they must have found water in the bush in a river or a stream or something because if they didn't, they for sure wouldn't make it past like what three days and I did read that there was a river going through this bush area and that they had crossed it multiple times it also rained quite a few times while they were out there for those six days uh, so I don't think hydration was that big of an obstacle to overcome uh, being lost in Australia, that's usually a concern, but I, it, it, it didn't seem to be a concern in this situation. There seemed to be access to fresh water, but because of the rain, the sleeping bag, the, the sleeping bag they had was wet. Along with that sleeping bag, they had a bit of food, they had a knife, uh, and they had a shovel that they managed to take from the location where they were dumped at, and presume, presumably these items belong to the abductor or abductors during the night out there in the bush uh the two would huddle together in that sleeping bag the nights can get really cold and that sleeping bag was wet they didn't have any clothing on it would have been very uncomfortable to say the least more like torturous even with one sleeping bag i could just imagine it was not not good and that sleeping bag is wet Julian pitched a rather inventive idea to 17-year-old Carolyn. 
he said that they should have sex to stay warm. Carolyn, being devoted to her religion, she would not agree to this at all. She was waiting until marriage. And Julian said he wanted to wait until marriage too, but he wanted to generate heat. And he thought that having sex would be a good way to stay warm. I guess starting a fire was out of the question. And um, yeah, this was Julian's second best way to stay warm. Carolyn, she said no way, uh, but he kept pestering her for sex. He was relentless. Every time she told him, forget about it, no way, whatever, he, he just kept going with it. And I mean, Julian, no means no, okay? No means no. Uh, and I had a little idea for Julian. Um, maybe he should just go fuck himself. I know, I know that seems mean of me to say, but when you hear this entire case, you're going to be saying the same thing, I promise. Is that a bit of foreshadowing? Yes, yes it is. Carolyn's refusal to have sex with Julian made him so mad that at one point he was literally yelling at her for saying no. And she was saying no because... She wanted to be faithful to her religion and her beliefs and her morals and her ethics. And he couldn't handle this. This made him angry, yelling at her. It's just, it makes me so fucking mad. So she, she, and also, let's not forget, she's just been in a horrific and traumatizing abduction situation where she was hogtied, blindfolded, had her clothes ripped off her with a knife, thought she was going to be raped and murdered out there left in the bush to die and julian he's over there like why aren't you in the mood okay well if someone needs to explain this to you julian i you uh okay along with this uh let's have sex plan that julian had come up with he had he also had another idea he says to carolyn he says okay let's get married right here right now in the bush just the two of us and then we can have sex because it won't be a sin in the eyes of god we will be married again the traumatized and scared to death carolyn says no carolyn believes that god will help them to survive whatever the situation that they're in right now god will help them then they can get married in a ceremony like they had planned to do on his parents land and carolyn she didn't want to disappoint her parents when they made it out of the bush and she certainly didn't want to disappoint god this goes on like this for six days six days they wander the bush they're suffering they're cold they're hot they're sunburnt they're hungry they're tired they're terrified they're naked they're barefoot and the entire time julian is pestering poor carolyn to have sex with him on that sixth day, they come across the original spot in the bush that they had been dumped at. There's no sign of the abductors and no sign that they had ever been back to that location. Julian looks around and he finds things that had been buried in that location. And among those things that had been buried were their clothing. So he digs up the clothing. He's like, yeah, we got clothes. So they... they get dressed the best they could. I could imagine it, uh, I mean, their clothes had been cut off. So I can't imagine, and, they would, and they've just been buried. So they're cut, 
covered in mud and dirt. I can't imagine it was you it was more just to cover their their bodies. After this is when they make it out to the road and the farmer finds them. And they are dirty, sunburnt, terrified, and he stops to pick them up. And this is when I'm just going to put a pause here and I'm just going to backtrack a little. This will explain why everyone thought a satanic cult were the abductors. So this is where the satanic cult comes in. The first day they got abducted, they obviously didn't make it back by 3 p.m. like they had promised their family. Julian's mother was waiting and waiting and she's pacing around and she's looking at her watch and she's looking down the laneway and she's just waiting for her son son to drive in because he's not usually ever late and the thing is on this day he never shows up. As she's pacing and waiting and worrying she sees a bottle and this bottle has been placed in their fence. She's like WTF is that and she goes to investigate this bottle has a note in it this note was very odd and it scared her so much because it appeared to be a threatening letter from abductors which told her they had her son they had carolyn and the letter instructed her not to call police it mentioned several times about not fucking with them again and in this letter, they had threatened to sexually assault Carolyn to death, but then it also said they were going to burn her alive. And they were also saying that they were going to inflict pain on Julian. Whoever wrote this letter instructed Julian's mother to tell everyone that you had gone on holiday. Uh, if Julian and Carolyn's family followed their instructions, then the kids would be brought back alive. There was also talk of sacrifice in the letter, and there were just several things about this letter that made no sense to me. Uh, so for one, what exactly did the abductors want? There was no money asked for there was not no there was nothing demanded it just said don't call police don't fuck with us again uh, and we're gonna bring your kids back fine but also that they could kill them or they wanted to make a sacrifice I don't know also how did this letter get there so fast after Julian and Carolyn were abducted like that was that day that was that day they were abducted brought like to over 200 kilometers away from there and yet this note is there there was a part in the letter that talks about inflicting hurt upon julian 180 times worse than the hurt he did to them when they were abducted so it's it's the note would be hinting at or saying that they already have them they've already abducted them they've already been through this situation and then they planted that message in a bottle and lastly, if this was a human sacrifice situation, then how would their kids be brought back alive? What was the point in all this? This letter, it was just messed up and terrifying. It was crazy. No parent should get a letter like that. It was just crazy. And it was signed ONA, which stands for Order of Nine Angles, which is a satanic cult. This cult is apparently around the world. They have chapters around the world. And famously is anti-Christian. 
And this letter also had satanic symbols on it. Julian's mom immediately goes to police with this letter. And she tells them, hey, these kids are missing. Carolyn and Julian, they're missing. I got this letter. Something terrible is happening. While all this is happening, Julian and Carolyn, they, this is their first night in the bush. Um, They've been abandoned. They've been, they've had their clothes cut off. They're naked. They're 250 kilometers away. So while she's going to police and while this note happens, that's their first night in the bush. 10 days before the couple went missing, Carolyn's father had actually found a similar but less threatening note that someone had left for them. Didn't make any sense though it was um, given to police but police were like this is weird and probably doesn't mean anything and this was before all this had happened and the note basically just said stay away the search party is sent out to look for the couple however they spend the next four days searching on the buckwald's 1400 acre property where the couple was heading for that picnic Uh, they were never found there because they weren't there March 10th, the farmer discovers the couple and brings them to police where they tell police a satanic cult kidnapped them. And the whole time they were missing, that's what the police and the parents were thinking. They were thinking a satanic cult was in on this. And when the couple is discovered and they go to the police, like, yeah, it was a satanic cult. It was a satanic cult. And they kidnapped us and they blindfolded us and they hogtied us. But police knew something wasn't right about this story. Police took the notes into consideration, of course. But still, they were thinking, "Mm, there's more to this. Julian, he said he was hit on the head with a metal bar. Yet, there was no such injury to his head. There was no trauma to the back of his head. Getting hit on the head with a metal bar... That's can be deadly. That can cause brain trauma. That can crack a skull. It's not, you know, there's going to be a mark. And he didn't have anything on the back of his head. Police press Julian and he folds like a deck of cards. If you haven't figured it out yet, then prepare for me to drop a bomb. Julian admits that he staged the entire thing. He was the abductor but why would he ever do that to the woman he loves and is going to marry why would he do this well his motive was to make carolyn have premarital sex with him yep that's right you heard me right all of this was a ploy to get his 17 year old devout christian girlfriend to have sex with him before marriage Okay, they planned on getting married when Carolyn turned 18, because remember, she's not even 18 yet. They even spoke to their church about this. They started planning the wedding, and they even were planning their life after the wedding. But I guess Julian didn't want to wait. He couldn't wait a year. He couldn't wait however many months it was going to be for their wedding. He couldn't wait, and he concocted this extremely fucked up traumatizing plan before he picked up carolyn for the picnic that day the day that this all unfolded he hid a bag in the woods and this bag was containing the face mask and the black clothing 
How creepy is that? Just picture him out there hiding these clothes in the bush and then going to get Carolyn and then driving down the same road and then like looking for this bag. Like what the fuck? The, it, the knife would have been in there. Like that is scary. When he pulled over to look at that roadkill he said he saw, he was actually going into the bush to change his clothing to come back out and abduct Carolyn. It was him who blindfolded Hogtied, threw her in the back of the car, drove 250 kilometers, cut off all her clothes with a knife, uh, left the food and the sleeping bags in the woods. It was him who did everything. He did everything. There was nobody else involved but him. That that moment that Carolyn thought she could hear her grave being dug, that was actually Julian burying their clothing so she couldn't get dressed. That's right. He hid his vehicle in the bush and it was there the entire time. And one can only assume he knew exactly where the keys were the entire time. He knew exactly how to get out of there the entire time. For those six days, Carolyn thought that she was hiding from the monsters she thought that they were evading these people who abducted them in the bush but it turns out the monster was with her the entire time guiding her in the wrong direction manipulating her terrorizing her pestering her it's just uh, I don't know how someone can do something like this but he did it anyways Julian is charged and found guilty of kidnapping and making a false police report but this story, it is, it is not over yet. Just this, it, this next part is even more unbelievable. After he is found guilty, he is out on bail awaiting sentencing. And I'm not sure how much his bail was or who fronted that cash, but I can guarantee you they regretted it pretty quickly. While awaiting sentencing, Julian either stole or purchased a stolen Indian passport. He doctored the passport with a photo of himself. Now this is where things take a humorous turn. By this point, you you just gotta laugh. Julian, he has blue eyes, okay? He's got fair skin. He's got uh, really light hair. It's almost blonde hair. But this passport that he has, it says that he's Indian. And for the photo he doctors onto the stolen passport, he so he takes a photo of himself, but before he takes this photo, he dyes his hair and eyebrows black. He, he parts his hair right down the middle and he flattens it all down with gel. He also uses fake tanner, like tanning, like spray tan, and he puts this all over his face to stain his skin a darker color. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure if he is delusional, extremely desperate, or just downright stupid because this photo is so fucking funny. If you've got a second, take a second right now. Look it up. Look it up because you're going to laugh. It is so funny. Google Julian Buckwald, B-U-C-H-W-A-L-D, fake passport seriously it <laughs> I, have, I have never seen a worse attempt or a more half-ass attempt at a falsified document in my life I mean granted I haven't seen many falsified documents but this is 
This is beyond. This is just beyond anything you've ever seen. First of all, someone who has fair skin and blue eyes and they have naturally blonde hair, when they dye their 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 eyebrows and their hair black, it's it, it, you can tell you can tell that it's dyed and he was going for a natural look like he was like hey I'm Indian look at my skin it's dark look at my hair it's dark but he didn't use any colored contact lenses because in the photo his eyes are like bright blue and and you can just tell everything is really fake on him you can tell that it's tanner used on his face you can tell it's hair dye in his hair and in his eyebrows you can just tell that everything about his look is synthetic it is just look it up just look it up and you will never believe what he tried to tried to get away with it is crazy I will say though this would have taken a lot of courage to attempt this whenever I'm traveling through airports and I'm doing nothing wrong like going through customs and immigration at the airport I'm just I I just have a baseline of being terrified like I'm just running at at on fear I don't know why it just makes me uncomfortable I'm doing nothing wrong but still I'm like so I couldn't imagine attempting to use a fake identity a terrible fucking disguise and be fleeing from the law and and giving immigration and customs this fake fucking passport um saying I'm Indian and I don't even speak Hindi so for some unknown reason, this almost works though. So September 15th, 2008 at 12.30 p.m., Julian uses this fake passport in Sydney and actually gets on a flight to India. And I can, so leaving a country, I feel like they don't give a shit when you're leaving. They're like, get out of here. Like you're the next country's problem. So I could see him getting pushed through, but, <laughs> but, then he arrives in India, which, mind you, he does not speak the language. <laughs> he, does, he does not speak the language. And the Indian officials, they look at his passport. They look at him and they are like, no, no. <laughs> he gets denied entry. He gets uh, sent to Singapore. So they sent him from India to Singapore. And officials there, they look into him and, and they're like, oh, we can tell I don't know how they knew this but they found out who he was they found out he was Julian Buckwald they found out that he was awaiting sentencing that he had been uh, found guilty for kidnapping and that he was supposed to be in prison they're like we know who you are and we're gonna send you back to Australia get out of here I'm just picturing what this would have looked like so like in India what happens so Julian he gets off the flight in India he's got this passport that says he's from there he's got fake tanner on his face his naturally blonde hair and eyebrows are badly dyed black um by looking at the picture his eyes are still blue so they're looking at julian like, what the hell and customs and immigration they start speaking to him in hindi and he's just staring back at them blank-faced. It would have taken the Indian officials seconds. Seconds. Maybe one, two seconds to be like, oh, who the fuck is this guy? This is clearly a, what is, am I, am I being pranked? Is this a prank show? And they just knew. They knew. I don't know how Julian thought he could get away with this. I wonder if maybe he pretended to be deaf and then they brought someone in to do like Hindi sign language and then he didn't know that either. And then they were like, okay, back to Singapore with you. 
I mean, it's pretty much a dead giveaway that he couldn't speak the language, that he couldn't communicate with, he's supposed to be Indian and he can't communicate with anyone in India. It just, yeah, look up that picture and you will just see how bad his disguise is as well. So once back in Australia, Julian is sentenced to seven years in prison for kidnapping plus... And I think he got off rather light here, considering he stole a passport or purchased a stolen passport, altered it, created a fake identity to flee his criminal charges, and tried to illegally enter another country. For this, for going on the run, he only got an additional six months. Six months. But we are not done yet. So you're telling me if I purchase a stolen passport, um, say I par- say I have nothing to do with actually stealing it. Say I purchase it. Say I put a fake picture of myself or I disguise myself. I put it over the picture of the actual owner of it. I try to go into a country that I don't belong to under a fake identity. What do you get for that? Like, I feel like you're going to get in a lot of trouble. That's like a lot of laws being broken. And for some reason, they didn't really, he didn't really get a harsh punishment for this, it seems. Seems like he just got six months for going on the run. And I'm like, well, what about the other stuff? What about, what about like false documents? What about stealing identity theft? What about all of that? But I guess he, uh, I guess they didn't care by that point. They were like, ah, just forget about it. And I'm like, what? What? (laughs) So, uh, we're not done yet though. We are not done yet. There is, there's more, there's more. So remember how I said Julian isn't a citizen of Australia, even though he grew up there his entire life and didn't know any other country to be his home well technically he's German right so he was born in Germany and that is his country in the eyes of immigration when Julian gets released from prison Australia Australia was like you know what we're um we're not renewing your visa and you're not an Australian citizen because you simply just never applied and we actually don't want you here anymore after you did that fucked up shit to your girlfriend so um off to Germany you go and don't come back bye-bye that's right Julian was kicked out of Australia He was banished. They banished him. They sent him to Germany. And this was in 2016. Apparently, he didn't speak any German, which I found that to be so funny. And that is probably way more of a punishment than seven years in prison. How crazy would that be? You've lived in a country your entire life. All of your family is there. Everything you have ever known is there. And then one day that country tells you to leave and never come back. Then you have to go live in a country that you don't even speak the language in, build a new life, never see your family. You have to learn a language, get a job. It's just crazy. It's just so crazy. Like that is, that is, it's harsh. But you know what? I don't feel bad for the guy. I just do not feel bad for him. 
Why he tried to flee, I do not know. And how did he not get done for more than just kidnapping and making a false police report after that? I mean, that should have added like 15 years onto his sentence, but I don't know. Surely there had to be more charges in there somewhere. Um, Even with his original crime, he assaulted Carolyn. He tied her up. He blindfolded her, made her think she was going to be raped and murdered, cut all her clothing off with a knife, and had her lost and naked and starving in the bush for six damn days. He terrorized and traumatized her. And yet he only get those, gets those two charges, kidnapping and making a false police report. He, th- then he buys a stolen passport, either steals it himself or buys it, we don't know, falsifies that document, which is a huge fucking no-no. You do not go fucking around with passports. Then he tries to flee and make a fake identity. And, and where's those charges? Where are those charges? Surely there's charges there somewhere. You can't just steal a passport, create a fake identity, and then try to flee. Like that itself, that itself has to have hefty criminal charges. And I didn't read anything about it. This entire situation, this entire case from top to tail, up and down, left and right, whatever you want to call it, it is all just completely unbelievable. Completely unbelievable. Who is this guy? How the hell did Julian come up with either of these plans? With abducting his girlfriend to trick her into having sex with him. And then the next one, which was to pretend to be a guy from India and go live in India, I guess. I don't know what he was planning on doing once he got to India. I mean, how did he possibly get to the, the this dark place in his mind when it came to like kidnapping um Carolyn and tying her up and cutting her clothes off with a knife like that's really fucked up that is a really fucked up thing to think about and then immensely more fucked up thing to create a plan and then act on it was he so dead set on having sex with Carolyn before she turned 18 like was this a fetish thing because i just i don't understand cuz eventually they were going to get married and they were going to have their rest the rest of their lives to have sex so why did he have to do it before she turned 18 i tried to find out what julian buckwald is doing now i mean is he living in germany um did he move elsewhere in europe where is he now because wherever he is i recommend the police keep a close eye on him he is clearly capable of doing some really crazy shit. Like he'll just do it. He doesn't even think about the consequences and he doesn't even really seem to think it all through. Uh, He's loose. He's a loose, dangerous guy. And as for Carolyn, I hope, I really, really hope she's doing wonderful now. I wish her, I wish her well. That was just an absolutely horrific ordeal. She suffered through, uh, she probably doesn't trust anyone ever now. If she ever wants to write a book about what happened, I mean, I would fully support her on that. That concludes this week's case. If you would like to follow Hell No, a true crime podcast, you can find me at hell no underscore a true crime podcast on both Instagram and TikTok. Please take a second to rate the podcast five stars on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts. I I say those two because I know they for sure have the option to rate five stars. And I think I think some people have given me a very low star rating recently on Spotify. 
um, because for a while I was I was at a perfect five stars, but then I sunk to a 4.8, which I'm not going to lie, that really stings. So if you could, I would love a five-star rating. If you want to give me a one-star rating, I don't know why you've even been listening this long. Just stop listening, move on, I'm not for you, okay? If you have any short stories you would like to send in that would fit into a Halloween Halloween spooky episode, please, please, please send those to hellnopodcast at outlook.com. Hell no podcast, all one word at outlook.com. I will make a post on TikTok and Instagram about this with that email in the caption so you can see it. These stories can be short, they can be long, they can be paranormal, they can be true, they can be fiction, whatever. I just ask that they are spooky, creepy, scary, dark, paranormal, uh, but most importantly that you wrote it. It can be any flavor of spooky. It can be a paranormal thing that has happened to you, something that you've experienced. It can be a a fiction short story, a creepy fiction short story that you wrote, whatever. I would love, love, love to read it. And if you do submit it, just let me know if you would like to remain anonymous. And if not, then who to give credit to if it is selected to be read on the Halloween special this year. I would really love to read your stories. So that is all for today. Thanks for listening and see you next week.